here with another episode of Conversations and Connections. Again, we're the official podcast for the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the Prevention Coordinator for the agency. With me today is our very own Maria Villarreal. She is our sexual assault and human trafficking specialist. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. All right. I'm awesome. Uh, uh, well, I asked Maria to be on the show. And, and Maria, you'll, you'll probably be on again maybe in a couple of months because um, um, January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. So I know we'll be talking about things along that nature. But what I, what I asked Maria to come on to the show today for is to really kind of talk about... Um, how the media portrays human trafficking and sexual assaults. Um, it's pretty safe to say, I guess, Maria, that what we see on TV and in the movies is not really how it plays out, right? No, it's it's really not how it plays out for the most part. And, like, you know, remind me to, to touch on trafficking, too, but I'm going to touch on how sexual violence yeah. looks different sure from what we see yeah well and you know and probably one of the first things uh that was revealed to me when i first started working here at the family crisis center was that how the media portrays sexual violence and trafficking and and all of these things is completely different mm -hmm. from where you know from how it really happens and i hate to say I don't want to use the word glamorous, but sensationalized maybe is a better term mm -hmm. for it, how how the media and everything um, portrays these things. So I don't know if we want to start with what does the media get wrong? Is that a good? <laughs> yeah, that I mean, is, is that a good starting point? That... Do you think? I mean, what uh, what? What do we see on TV and in the movies and so forth that just really, for the most part, isn't? Oh, my goodness. Okay, True. so, like, one of the things. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I remember, like, you know, when I was a teenager, I really, really liked the movie The Notebook. Okay. I, I really liked it because yeah. I thought that it was very romantic and you know, true love perseveres a, and everything, whatever. It's a big sniffle bag. Yes. <laughs> but I did. I rewatched it. I think I think it's been a year now. But I've noticed how like some of the toxic behavior is glamorized, unfortunately, or sens sen sensationalized that the word or yeah. um yeah, because like, you know, whenever I notice the how um Golly, I can't and forgive think. me, I have watched The Notebook, but it's been maybe eight years ago. Well, pro shoot, probably longer than that, probably ten years ago. <laughs> I know I watched it. I know I had James Garner in it, and I know it kind of went back and forth between the present day and the past, and I know it was big boo-hoo, boo-hoo at the end. Mm -hmm. I know I sound really like a jerk now. <laughs> but uh, but I, I'm... I'm but I don't remember details, probably, like, what you're going to talk about. It's basically about, like, this young couple. They met, and he falls in love, like, hardcore with her. And so one of the things that really irks me now is that, like, you know, she told him, no, I don't want to date you at first. And so he, what he does is that he climbs on the ro the, the Ferris, Ferris wheel. wheel. Yes. I and, remember that. And coerces her into saying yes. Pretty much, he's just like, if you don't say yes, and I'm gonna fall off, and I'm just like, that is 
not okay. <laughs> but, you know, you kind of see that in a lot of, you know, like the young man who's not going to take no for an answer. He's exactly. going to go out and get the girl, and he's just going to no holds bar, you know. And, uh, yeah, it probably makes for a good movie scene. But um, I guess, like you said, if you really kind of start dissecting that. It's like, it, to me, when I was a teenager... I thought that true love, like a guy is not going to take no for an answer. He's going to persevere and he really Mm -hmm. loves me. He'll like convince me, which is not okay, obviously. Like, you know, a no is a no. (laughs) Well, and that's one of the things when we do prevention work is, uh, especially lately when I've been talking to to young children about um, consent, you know, one of the things we tell them is don't let anyone trick you Mm -hmm. or force you or make you into saying yes about anything. And that's kind of like what dude is doing when he's hanging off the Ferris wheel. Exactly. That's what he's doing. And it's like, you know, as a teenager, like I said, me and my friends, we were like, oh, my God, Noah's so romantic. He never gave up. He didn't take that no. And now they're in love and everything, which, I mean, in Hollywood, I mean, like you said, that kind of scenario does sell but in real life that's not okay that a no is a no right and you know people should not be coerced into going into dates into you know giving somebody their love and everything that's that is not okay right and then whenever it comes to like sexual violence how the media gets it wrong is that normally they portray that Sexual violence involves, like, the ripping of the clothes, like a guy hiding behind a bush. It's usually a stranger. Usually a stranger, yes. And what we see a lot of the times is that it's not a stranger. Mm -hmm. And I have been thinking about it. It's like whenever we get um, female clients, what I see is that if it's a boyfriend, there was a lot of manipulation. Or I should say intimate partner. There was a lot of manipulation going on. They would tell them, well, if you love me you'd have sex with me. Uh, uh, if you want to continue being together, you have sex with me. You give this to me. And if you don't, I'll find somebody else. And yeah. that's manipulation. And that's what we tend to see whenever it comes, when whenever we get a client who is a male, what we see is that there's a lot of aggression. There is. And I, I'm not exactly sure why the need for the aggression, but... That that's what we tend to see is that whenever yeah. it's a male client, like whenever we're talking about the incident, there was more force used into it and everything. And another thing that the media gets wrong is that like if the victim is a male, he must be gay. Which is not true. Sure. That's right. not the case always. And you know, I've I've had a client tell me, like, you know, yes, I was raped by a man, but I'm not gay. Like, you know, I'm I'm straight. But he was scared of coming out because he thought that his family, his friends were going to take him that way. And he was scared of that. And that in turn, I think that's why when we look at statistics, I probably without a shadow of a doubt, the statistics that indicate male survivors or male victims of relationship violence are probably much higher than they really are because Mm -hmm. men are... I think probably less likely to report because like what you've said, well, people are going to think I'm gay or just, well, people are going to just think I'm weak because mm-hmm. a sexual assault can even happen if the perpetrator is a woman and the victim is a male, you know, yeah. and 
men are kind of hung up with that thinking, well, it's, again, it's a sign of weakness, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I don't think the media has done a good job to like give support to males to come forward because of the way they try to portray them. Mm-hmm. And it adds to that layer of shame and it makes it hard for yeah. males to come forward. Right. No, I agree. And then whenever it comes to trafficking, oh, let me tell you. Well, <laughs> when it comes to trafficking, the first movie I think of is Taken, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I'll be honest and I'll say it. It's pretty, Liam, Liam Neeson does a pretty good, I, I kind of dig the movie itself, you know. I mean, he's kind of a badass and he's going to, I forget the line, you know, um, when he's on the phone with his daughter's. Oh, uh, like, I will find you. <laughs> I will find you. It's really cool, you know, but that's really not human trafficking. No, it's not. Like, I'm not saying that kidnappings and abductions don't happen because they do. Right. But I read the statistic um, where the the cases where abductions or kidnapp- kidnappings took place, I mean, it takes a it's about three percent of those cases. Everything like the other ninety seven percent, it does involve like it being a family member where the trafficker was a family member, was a intimate partner, mm-hmm. was a friend, was somebody the victim knew. Right. And what we see is that like a trafficker doesn't automatically traffic and exploit somebody right off the bat. They build that trust with their victim first. They tell them, hey, my name is so-and-so, and, and, you know, I want to get to know you, like, what's going on, everything. They pick vulnerable people, and then once they identify the vulnerabilities and the needs that the person has, and they're going to be like, okay, well, like, you know, with me, you don't have to worry about being abused. With me, you don't have to worry about going hungry and things like that. And they kind of... They feel that need, and eventually they use that need against them. They can be like, well, I've given you a shelter. I've given you food. Now it's time for you to pay up. Right. It's time for you to give me something back. You owe me. Exactly. And Hollywood has Hollywood has made it seem like when it comes to trafficking cases, it's about being a savior, which is not, not the case at all. We help people and everything. But what we see is that like sometimes the client may not be ready to accept all the help that is there for them. And that could be because they're, they, they're still scared. Maybe there's that trauma bond, and everything yeah. there, but they're taking that step of coming forward little by little. And it does involve a lot of like, you know, helping the client over and over again. But that is because we're trying to break that trauma bond. We're trying to make them feel safe that, you know, there are safe people that really and truly want to help you in a, in a benevolent way. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to help you and right. expect you to return it back. Do you ever have clients who legitimately, legit, legitimately, <laughs> it's sorry, <okay>. You're fine. <laughs> believe that they, in fact, do owe the perpetrator something? You yes. know, it's not like they feel like, oh, well, if I don't do this, you know, I'm being forced to do it. Like, they really feel like, well, he did do this for me and I mm-hmm. should do this. Yes. And this conversation, this conversation actually took place not too long ago. But I did have um, a client tell me she was talking to me about how she does not feel safe with her friend anymore. And so, you know, I eventually asked her, OK, well, like what does your friend do that doesn't make you feel safe? And so she told me. And so I was just like, okay, well, if you come to our safe house and everything, you know, we'll help you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, friends don't try to control other people. 
And so she was like, well, I feel like I should still stay here with her because she did give me a, a roof over my head. She did give me food and everything. So there's that trauma bond that I was talking about. Yeah. She knows that it's not safe, but she still feels like she owes her something and she still needs to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, what we can do as advocates is still be there for survivors, for victims, mm-hmm. for clients and everything. Yeah. So we, we, we've talked about TV and we've talked about movies. Um, let's talk a little bit about music. Um, and, <laughs> and how big of an impact do you feel music has on um, this world of relationship violence and trafficking? Oh, my goodness. So it's it's. It's terrible because like, you know, I'm I'm going back to when I was a teenager because I feel right. like it how we act as adults, I mean, how we were raised as children does come out when there were adults, but like I remember growing up, Fifty Cent, that that song P I M P. Like growing up, I thought it was catchy. I thought it was cool and everything, but now that I look back, I'm like, no. Like yeah. that why is something like that being glamorized? Right. And like Somebody brought this song to my attention um, by Doja Cat called Bottom Bitch. I'm sorry for my language, but that's what it's called. And I was and like, I'm okay. Just, I'm just laughing a little bit because I have no idea who these people are. If 50 Cent's a rapper. I, mean, I know. Okay, I will admit, I know 50 Cent, but this other person, I was like, I, yeah, I, I have no clue who you're talking about. She, she's new. I think she came out like two years ago now. But, like, whenever they told me about the song and then they told me the title, I'm like, okay, like, that is a huge red flag. Like, a bottom bitch should not be glamorized at all. Well, and, you know, I think uh, me and uh, someone here at the office was talking not very long ago that, you know, they're taking their kids to work and they're listening to the radio. And, you know, there's this tune that's real kind of catchy and, you know, Mm -hmm. they're kind of bopping to it. And then you really start listening to the lyrics. It's like, Oh my God, my kids don't need to be listening to this. And this is on just regular radio, yeah, you know, exactly. And gosh, I hate to sound like an old man. Who's like, what are these kids listening no. to these days? <laughs> but just common sense. When you look at this stuff and you look at the lyrics, geez, back in my day, <laughs> the most controversial thing was Prince uh, Darling Nikki. Uh, do you, are you familiar with? Okay, I don't think so. well, Sorry. I'm not gonna <laughs> quote anything, but um, there was a line in there that was just so scandalous, you know. And radio was playing it. Now, geez, this was in the mid '80s, you know, and that's nothing now compared to what you can find today. Yes, exactly. And it's like, I listened to the song um, by Doja Cat and I wasn't even trying to listen to the lyrics. I was just trying to listen to the beat and it is catchy. And it's those songs that sound so catchy and so upbeat that are dangerous whenever they have these lyrics that try to glamorize yeah. something that shouldn't be. What do you think it kind of, I mean, and, and what is the impact? Do you think it, it just kind of normalizes behaviors or or ideas 
am I making sense? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, it's in a song, and this is top 40 radio, you know, so it must be okay, you know. Or don't be a squirrel. Jeez, I'm dating myself again <laughs> by saying that line. You know, well, you're just not with it. You know, you're not with the times. You know, this is 2021. You know, um, I don't know. But if, if being with the times or if being you know, hip or whatever involves like, you know, being okay with certain lyrics, being okay with certain things, then I don't want to be hip. What does that, well, what does that speak about the times, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a big problem because it's like, yeah. it definitely tries to make a, something, something that should not be okay, like be seen as okay. So I'm just, uh, I'm just well, looking and, and then, here. And then for people that don't know what a bottom bitch is. Am I going to have to put the uh, the M for mature tag on this <laughs> podcast? <laughs> All right. The other term is bottom girl. But what a bottom girl is, is that it's a trafficker's right-hand lady that keeps all the other girls in the stable in check. And so she reports to him. She takes the cash and everything. She can enjoy special privileges with the pimp, with the trafficker and everything. That's what a bottom girl is. Okay, so, well, I can't say I haven't learned anything new today. <laughs> uh, Doja Cat is the artist, if you can call them an artist. <laughs> and, and I'm just, the core, oh, that's my trick. I'm her pimp. She's my flip. Do you know what that? I, I have no idea if that. I means honestly, anything. I don't. I don't think I know um, what flip means. But that's my trick. Uh, I'm her pimp. That's my hoe. That's my dough. Now this is a song that you can hear on. Yeah, like the person told me that radio. she heard it on the radio. And this is a few years old. This is from 2019. It's a, well, and again, I'm not trying to sound like the gullible old man who doesn't know what's going on in the world but again i can i'm hearing my parents when i'm talking but is that really art is that really no what talent but anyway that's a whole other topic and a whole well, other rant and, i guess and then like if you look at the music video it it's it's highly sexualized too yeah so it's just you know what yeah what is the radio really putting out there right well, and you think about it, and you can't just blame. I mean, definitely the songwriter and the uh, performer has something to do with this. But if you think about it, the record executives had to say, yeah, hey, let's release this. You know, the suits upstairs, quote unquote, you know, had to give it their stamp of approval, say, yeah, let's. Let's re let's release this. Radio stations had you know have to say okay yeah let's play this yeah you know um, so yeah I mean I'm not saying um, the artists and the songwriters innocent in all of this but they're not the only ones that have a say of what we listen to yeah and it's like you know what what are they really trying to say what are they really trying to you know portray out there that's the other yeah. thing too they. It, you really can't play that card like I didn't know or, you know, naivety yeah. or anything like that. It's, it's, it's yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. 
And I've been guilty as heck also of listening to a song and not knowing what the lyrics are, because sometimes it's hard to understand the lyrics when you're just jamming to the music, you know what I'm saying, and, and listening to everything. How difficult all of this, the, the media's influence, the media's portrayal of domestic violence and sexual assault in TV and the movies, and then the music industries, uh, the songs they're releasing... How difficult does the media's portrayal of all these things make your job? It it definitely can make it difficult because sometimes we have to like educate survivors what, you know, domestic violence really is, what sexual assault mm-hmm. really is, what human trafficking really is. And so it 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 can be very difficult, especially when there was human trafficking, because if there's that trauma bond and they just don't understand that, you know, this boyfriend, this girlfriend was my trafficker and we try to educate them, we can lose them potentially because they can see us as the bad guy yeah. when all we're trying to do is just educate them. So right. it, it definitely can make our jobs difficult. And, you know, it. what I also see and, you know, I with the education, there's that realization that, oh, wow, like that's how bad it was. And then, you know, they they start realizing how lucky they are to be alive. And, you know, the emotions are, are so raw. And, you know, for for me as a direct service provider, sometimes, you know, the, the vicarious trauma, the the um yeah, the vicarious trauma can can set in because it's there's a lot of raw emotions in there. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to help. We just want to help. We want to educate everything. But sometimes just educating them what domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking really is can can be difficult because of what the media has portrayed. Sure. Is there anything that as advocates and as even prevention people and uh, just FYI behind the scenes um, – Rebecca is here also. She's part of the prevention team. She's We're just kind of sharing space right now uh, while she's doing her thing, and we're recording a podcast right next to her. Um, is there any – what can we do to combat this? Is there anything that we can do? It almost seems like, well, there's no way we can go up against the media, these media conglomerates, you know, and mm. – broadcasters and, and things like that. It's like, what can you do? I don't know if you can fight it on their level or is it just up to us to educate the community? I, I have heard of a few groups and I wish I had looked it up, but I have heard of some groups where like they're boycotting R. Kelly. Like whenever the whole R. Kelly scandal came out, sure, they were heavily trying yeah. to get radio stations and um, avenues to not right. have R. Kelly play right. the songs. So I do think it is possible. Um, now, us, like uh, like me, what I would do is definitely educate my friends, my family. Like, okay, like I understand that, you know, this this sounds cool and everything, but that's that's not really what it is. Well, when we get done recording, you know what I'm going to do, right? What? I'm going to go on YouTube and <laughs> look up this song and listen to it. Yeah, you'll Because I really do. I mean, yeah. I really do want to listen, just see what this is all about. Because I'll be, it's probably maybe obvious and I'll tell you right off the bat, you know, that artist and that song is not in the circles that I listen of things that I listen to. Uh, but, uh, but again, 
Jeez, I hate to say this. Back in the day. <laughs> um, even your classic country songs, it's all mm. about cheating. It's all about having affairs. And that may not be exactly Ooh. what we're talking about today. But you know what I'm saying? And nobody said boo to any of that. You know, yeah, there's a song. Oh my, I wish I knew the, the name of it, but there's a song that talks about how he's gonna be sitting out in her driveway and then he's gonna spin out his wheels and like put mud in her windows. Like, that is toxic behavior <laughs> right there. And that was a country song, I cannot think of it right now, but right. I'm sure later on I will. But that's just an example, like, that's what they put on the radio. That kind of behavior is like okay, yeah. Well, I'm even talking about like back in like the Conway Twitty days, you know, <laughs> talking, you know, singing songs about. You know, um, cheating and um, anyway, I know that sounds like kind of a trope as far as your typical country song. But, you know, it's there even in that, probably just not as blatant and in your face as (laughs) as that. Um, Well, before we go, I do. uh, And again, we kind of touched on this at the at the top of the program. Um, January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Uh, I guess it's been almost a year since you were on here last to talk about all the things that um, we were planning for this past January. Um, planning something similar for this coming Awareness Month. Yeah, something. And I know you, I don't know how much you can really tell, but I know you're probably already starting to think about things to do. Yeah, it'll be very similar to last year, just because like last year, I know that we were trying to plan everything through a pandemic. We weren't even sure we were going to do anything because I remember the, the the spike was coming up and everything. Right. But it will be very similar to, to last year where um, we will have a walk. We are looking at making it bigger. Um, I can't really say the location yet because it hasn't been confirmed. Okay. But um, once it's been confirmed and... You know, we'll have flyers out and everything, but we are looking at having food trucks out there, having speakers out there. Nacogdoches? Can we say, okay, so we'll be somewhere in Nacogdoches. Nacogdoches. Somewhere in Nacogdoches, yes. Food trucks. Yes, which will be new. That's that's something we didn't have last year. And we are looking at at least uh, a mile in the walk. That Because last year, I know it was only like a quarter mile. (laughs) What? A mile? Yeah, it's not bad. (laughs) (laughs) I I walked and I was able to do it in 25 minutes which one of the the feedback that I got from last year is that they wish that the walk was longer so we're looking at it yeah okay (laughs) well good awesome um Maria thank you Uh, I appreciate and and I I am I'm not blowing smoke in your face I am really I really mean this from the bottom of my heart you have such a passion for Mm. this work and uh, I really um I really admire you for that. I mean, you really, you can tell just by talking uh, with you that you really do have a heart for this. Thank you. Um, and I do want to make a comment. I, I commented on this when we were in St. Augustine for our Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I just want to sh- give a shout out to Maria's pendant that she's wearing. It's, oh. uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a, a water, it's a box of Whataburger fries. Yes. Right? That's just so cool. I love <laughs> fries. It is my weakness. I will not turn down fries. But that's specifically, <laughs> that is legitimately a Whataburger, Whataburger fries. Yes. It, 
And just to let everybody know, I don't discriminate. I will eat curly <laughs> fries, French fries. I will. So eat you like all. fried potatoes? I like fried carbs. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Great. All right, Maria. Thank you, Maria Villarreal. Uh, again, she is our. Um, sexual assault and human trafficking specialist here at the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. And if you feel like you need our services if uh, or if you know of someone, uh, make sure you pass along this number. We do have a 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week hotline, and that number is 1-800-828-7233. Again, 1-800-828-7233. And be sure to subscribe to Conversations and Connections. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much any podcast service of your choice. And as always, remember, be the voice, if not for you, for someone else. Mm